0: Hello and welcome once again to the Wide Teams podcast, the podcast for geographically dispersed teams and remote workers, located on the web at wideteams.com and on Twitter at Wide Teams. This is episode 51. I'm your host, Avdi Grimm. Joining me today, Aaron Brooks, Chris Hauser, and Alan, Alan Dipert of, uh, LonoCloud. I'm sorry, LonoCloud? LonoCloud. Sorry. No <laughs> uh, thank you, thank you guys for joining me. And, uh, let me just, uh, ask you to introduce, introduce yourselves. Tell me a little bit about yourselves in order. So we'll start with Aaron.
1: Uh, I'm, uh, Aaron Brooks, uh, engineer, uh, number two at LonoCloud. Um, come from a, a background of um, different large scale systems and uh, have uh, a number of jobs that I've, I've done varying degrees of, of telecommute and telework for Chris.
2: Uh, yeah, am Chris or Chouser. Um, and I've been working, um, remotely, you know, from home here for, uh, this is my second job. Uh, so it's been a few years. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, we've been at I've been at Lona Cloud now for uh let's see coming up on a year I guess not quite yet and uh been doing a lot of uh work in closure and um getting my uh feet wet in the wide world of um highly distributed applications as well as teams so and Alan?
3: Hi I'm Alan Dipert I'm also a programmer at Lona Cloud um, uh, I guess my my programming experience is mostly around web applications and more recently cloud and distributed stuff um, i I don't actually prior to joining Lona cloud I didn't have much experience uh, doing distributed uh, working on a distributed team uh, one of the things I've come to learn is that there is a difference between you know working remotely and, and working on a fully distributed team so I guess of us three I'm probably the newest to the whole situation
2: now where is everyone located uh, we're from all over the place, uh, I think we have every time zone of the U.S. covered. Um, I'm in Fort Wayne, Indiana.
1: I'm uh, in the Northeast, uh, north of Boston.
3: Durham, North Carolina, representing. <laughs>
1: nice. And
0: uh, now, is 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 your company fully distributed?
1: Yes, uh, the well,
2: uh, the development team is certainly. Well,
1: okay. yeah, <laughs> we 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 have a a physical office um, and. Uh, the executives operate out of that when they're not traveling um, but i I would say uh certainly the the entire uh development side is is fully distributed,
0: and how large is that team
1: it's uh above a dozen but not much above <laughs> <laughs> it depends okay. on how you, it depends on how you slice it
2: right right maybe a baker's dozen <laughs> certainly in the ten to fifteen range so. Yeah. Whether cool. that's a large or small team depends entirely on who you're talking to, I guess.
0: <laughs> so, uh, how did that come about? How was it that you put this totally
1: distributed team together? Well, I, I think the leadership comes from our, our CTO, um, who uh, very intentionally uh, wanted to be able to um, access talent pools from across the country and, and uh, build a, a team. You know, as, as a small startup, you don't have a, a whole lot of uh, leverage or resources to get people to move. Uh, to your location, um, and because of a uh, number of the technologies that we're working with, in particular the closure language, uh, the number of uh, available engineers is is also pretty small. Small. It's a, a very new language, um, and uh, by uh, not requiring that employees be local, he uh, was able to open up and uh, hire, you know, really from across the country. So, it's so very strategic, and and I think I think also it. Uh, works well with uh, our, our general philosophy of, of engineering.
0: Did I already ask what uh, what kind of software you produce? No. Uh, Chris, you can answer
1: that.
2: <laughs> I can. <laughs> Let's see. I, I just closed the window that had our statement in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: what?
0: Well, you don't know uh, it by heart?
1: Uh, so we build, we build a uh, uh, next generation uh, multi-cloud federating uh, infrastructure platform that allows for uh uh cloud applications to be built uh to to be able to leverage multiple cloud providers and uh to uh be uh very scalably distributed uh, across a number of platforms uh
2: okay. with emphasis on dynamic uh information policies and and scaling policies is that, is that right
1: excellent <laughs> thanks <laughs>
2: <laughs> so people can
0: can you you help people people host their stuff with with Multiple different like different providers like AWS or, um,
1: Rackspace or yeah
0: right Rackspace and right. names exactly. are suddenly escaping me. Very nice.
2: <laughs> so I, I, right? I do want to point out though that, that that is only about half the story. The other half is the is the um, because that's that's a, a deployment story and 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 we have uh, we do address that. But there's also the live management of of information and um, and nodes and and so on that we um, help help you write your application in a way that that uh, um, takes advantage of of more dynamism than simply infrastructure as a service would provide.
1: Mm,
2: okay.
0: So you're a distributed. You're a distributed team working on distributed applications. Exactly. Yeah. Well, whose, whose law was it that there is a there is a um, there's an old software rule that the uh, Architecture of a piece of software will will reflect the organization of the team that wrote it.
2: Yeah, I have heard that.
0: I I think it was was an IBMer, but I can't remember remember his name off the top of my head. um, That's interesting. So how did you come across the developers that you have now since you were drawing from a a national, at least, uh, talent pool?
1: Well, there's a, a cluster of us, uh, who, who sort of serendipitously, uh, all made a, a roughly simultaneous exit from our, our previous company. So there's, there's, uh, four of us, uh, who worked together, um, at a, uh, uh, uh healthcare, uh, cloud technology company. Um, and the company was taking a, uh, a tactical shift and canceling their, their uh, technology products. And, um, we all became available at the same time. So uh, that was a serendipitous uh, event. But uh, I would say, by and large, uh, the, the group knows each other through um, the Closure community um, and has has had a fair amount of interaction through the, the, the Closure language community.
2: It may be worth noting that the four of us um, that switched over more or less together were already working on a distributed team at, at the previous company as well. Uh, okay. So it was interesting... To me, I mean, I, I've I've got kids here at home, and as far they couldn't tell that I even switched jobs. I was working with the same people, sitting at the same desk. Um, as far as they were concerned, there was no noticeable difference. Uh, but yeah, you know, whole new product and and different way of of doing things, even. But um, we had already been gaining some experience working the four of us together on a distributed team. So, mm,
0: okay,
2: Alan, you mentioned a difference. You've, that you've found
0: between remote work and fully distributed work. Can you expand on that a little?
3: Uh, sure. It's, it's really just, I, I guess, a, uh, a definitional difference. Um, uh, prior to working at Lona Cloud, I worked at a consultancy called Relevance. And Relevance is not, uh, is about half remote, half local to Durham, North Carolina. And I worked out of the office here. Um, and I was certainly on projects where I collaborated with either a remote client or a remote co-employee or or contractor um but i think on on all the projects i was on there were at least a handful of people who were, worked together in the same room um so i ha- i had a taste for what remote work involved um and then when i was looking at lona cloud you know one of the differences i noticed is that the entire team was distributed and um at relevance uh there's a certain amount of effort that needs to go into making a a, uh, a remote team work. And, you know, since, since joining Luna Cloud, I've, I've read various articles about, you know, how do you make remote teams work when you have some central office and then some remote team responsible for something. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, one of the things I've noticed and really enjoyed about having a fully distributed team is that those problems just don't exist. The only problems are those of the distributed team. And, um, you know, the entire team is focused on, on solving them.
2: Mm-hmm. So, uh,
3: That's been, that's been my experience so far. So far, so good.
2: Yeah. I, I think that's even worth, uh, repeating because I think that's really key. The fact that there is no, um, you know, there's no water cooler conversations that aren't already taking place online in a forum where anybody can join as easily as anybody else means that there's not, um, a tendency to create um you know separate clicks of the in office and out of office uh, situations i mean i've i've never actually worked uh remotely for a team that was not more or less fully distributed but i have worked at places that have more than one location and even there there tends to be an us versus them um sort of you know culture that can that can grow and you know those Oh man, those guys at the the other office, they have no idea what they're doing. Do you see what they checked in yesterday? You know, <laughs> that, that kind of thing. And I can only imagine that, that if one of the two, you know, clicks is in physical proximity and the rest is distributed, you know, they don't even have their own <laughs> context in which to, you know, belittle the uh, local team. So, um, I, I can imagine that would take a lot of, a lot of effort. Um, And of course, even a a fully distributed team takes effort. But we're all working towards the same goal. There's no natural clicks that are coming about because of the
1: uh, locale. Right. And there's something unifying about having the shared pain of being remote. I mean, there there's there's something uh, that we've all invested the effort, and it's not it's not a huge pain. I don't I don't want to paint it like it's it's great difficulty. But we're we're all dealing with the same things, and we're all you know uh, finding the best the best ways to to make the tools work together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that winds up actually being very unifying.
2: And we also get to unify around the benefits of working from home. You know, people say, it's a gorgeous day out. I'm working outside right now. Ha ha. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and aren't putting anybody out by saying so, you know.
0: Yeah, I guess there's always that kind of aspect when you have the people that are in the office and then you have the, the remote workers out on their porches um, of uh, kind of flaunting it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, uh, walk me through a little bit, just a, d- a day in the life of Lona Cloud. Uh, what's the what's the interaction like? How closely do you work together? What kind of tools do you use to talk to each other? Stuff like that.
2: I think the the timing of that is going to be a little bit different depending upon the time zone. And, and right here, you've got a bunch of uh, Eastern time zoners. So, um, one of the one of the central aspects of a day at Lona Cloud is our daily uh, um, developer call. Which for us is in the early afternoon, but I think starts off the day for the West Coasters, and so I, I don't know what that must feel like, but uh, <laughs> just as a little context there. Probably sucks. Um, probably <laughs> probably <laughs> yeah, those poor West Coasters. Oh, sorry. Wait, what? Um, so, <laughs> uh, well, I can I can say a little bit, and I'm sure others will will have something to say, but um, it's a pretty key um, set of tools. Are the fact that we have, um, we use a central server uh, and all log in remotely to that over um, SSH or, or these days MOSH uh, to, and then use TMUX or actually our own um, uh, layer on top of TMUX that allows us to share screen. So that's a list of tools, but the, the end result is that it is very easy for each person to have their own development environment. Um, on their own screen, but also can very easily step away from that and join anybody else and see exactly what they've got on their uh, session as well. Hmm. Um, and so that allows for, uh, ad hoc pairing and splitting and even more than pairing, we can all pile onto one person's session while they demonstrate something or ask a question. Um, and that the, the, the tool set that we use scales up at least to about eight or 10 people simultaneously more than that, it starts to get a little hmm. painful, but um, and sort of reflecting that we also uh, use a, a phone system that similarly allows um, ad hoc joining and splitting of conversations. And so those often sort of go in tandem. Of course, you'll uh, maybe ping somebody on instant message and say, Hey, you want to help me with this? Uh, I'm on, you know, I'm on my, TeamX session, and so then they'll join, and you can see them joined there, and then you'll give them a call, and and maybe they're already talking to somebody else, and that's fine. Now all three of you are talking, and now you're all looking at the same screen, and so within a matter of seconds, you can have whatever set of relevant people are um, to a particular problem all looking at the same screen, interacting with the same session, and talking on the phone, Uh, and that that's huge. I mean, I think there there are real, you know, costs and risks involved in doing software development, especially design work um, on a remote team, you know, when you're not in the same room drawing on the same whiteboard. But mm-hmm. one of the inverses of that is this kind of rapid sharing of environment. You wouldn't normally have bothered setting up if you've got people in an office. You'll Maybe you'd try to all cluster around looking over somebody's shoulder, but that gets, you know, that doesn't really scale to 10 even. Right. Uh, and so using these tools, we can, we can rapidly, uh, have more minds up to speed on a problem and usefully contributing, uh, quicker than we could even physically. And then there's, again, there's very little cost to tear that back down. If somebody realizes that they're not relevant to the problem at hand, they can say, well, I'm dropping off and hang up and they're off back on their own session without having to, uh, you know, interrupt the flow of things. So. That's sort of a I think a flavor of especially when we're in the you know the as deadlines approach and things are moving fast we we do a lot of that kind of of dynamic forming and splitting of teams mm. and and you do a lot of pairing
1: as, as needed uh, you know I, some some places are very dogmatic about pairing um, we do a uh, I would say we do a fair share of pairing um, but sometimes it's tripling and sometimes uh, you know, it's solo, and sometimes it's you know, it's it's a sort of an ebb and flow that's very natural with uh, what's needed and and uh, uh, who's working on what. Mm-hmm. And you say you have a daily call. Yep, yeah, there's a, a daily stand up call that you know is, is as long as it needs to take, and you know, usually is uh, about twenty minutes long with a current size team, and and uh, uh, but you know, easily can close up faster if if there's not. Not much to say, or if if uh, you know if there's a an involved discussion that grows out of that, that also is, is very natural. Mm-hmm.
3: One of the one of the cool things about the call that I like about the the format for it anyway is you know coming from uh, consulting, I'm used to fine tuning agendas and having you know meeting plans and stuff. And one of the things I really like about our meeting, uh, which I think works well for our team size and and could probably scale out further, uh, is that it's um, topic oriented instead of individual oriented so for instance okay. three people might be working on you know feature x um, and one person will report on the status of feature x and the other folks can chime in if they want but instead of go sort of going around the room we go around the the open things
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, and that's that, that's that's been a small change that I, I think has made for me a noticeable
1: difference in stand-up quality so do you just like go down the ticket list uh, we we have a, a Google doc that we use to coordinate that has the daily agenda and so people can you know add themselves on if there's a, a an additional topic um so okay. it's, it's it's not not uh ticket driven you know we can it can you can certainly add uh you know, pr- particular issues but uh there's a number of subsystems in, in progress and then there's certain customer interactions and and you know a whole collection of of things that we're um ad- addressing on a regular basis and and uh so the Google Doc allows us to modify the agenda uh, as the conversation goes. So.
3: Which isn't to say we don't have a ticketing system. Um, <laughs> it's just it's just rare to hear ticket numbers on stand-ups, which is another refreshing thing t- to me.
2: The uh, it, yeah, the topic list for the call tends to be um, the the items on the topic list tend to be longer lived than than individual ticket would be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, it, it changes a little bit from day to day, but but not dramatically. Um, and so, you know, individual tickets could, could come and go and, and could be mentioned, but um, yeah, it's not driven by the individual tickets. So if you're working on something and, and
0: you realize that something that there's something you need feedback on or you, from the whole team, you just go and put it on the agenda for the next day.
1: Sure. If, it, if it's the sort of thing that wants to wait, um, if, if you have something that's, you know, blocking you or, or uh, should be addressed uh, more immediately, we'll, it's not terribly uncommon for us to throw it to IM and then have a you know an ad hoc. Let's everybody pile on the conference line and and you know talk this through.
0: Okay. So what are
1: you using for IM? We're currently using HipChat. Okay. And you you
0: mentioned uh, some other tools. You mentioned your phone system, which lets people kind of dynamically join and leave calls. Uh, is that an off the shelf thing or or what?
1: It's it's a SIP service, um, uh, SIP, on SIP um and using I, I i'm personally convinced that uh, having uh high quality low latency uh sip phones is is a, a very important part of um being able to to collaborate especially when you're doing pairing and and wanting to interact quickly um and so uh our, we worked pretty hard to to get a a phone set up that was um clear and, and uh, uniform for everyone, and we found that that work, has worked very well. We had a similar setup at uh, the previous company that um, uh, Chris and myself and the other other two guys who, who came up, came over as a group um, had used as well.
3: And but having yeah. a, a physical SIP phone at your desk makes you feel more legitimate.
2: At <laughs> no, okay, <laughs> so you're actually you are using physical phones. Yes. yeah so it is it's entirely off the shelf it's on dot com and the um the phone that they recommend is a is a polycom brand phone um and yeah it's it's higher quality than than just regular you know old analog phones um it's very crisp and clear and and works quite well we mm-hmm. have we have one recurring problem where um especially when you have multiple people on the line. If everybody's unmuted, there's a possibility of um, periodic feedback between the the mic and the speakerphones. High, um, high
1: frequency chirping.
2: High frequency chirping yeah. that have has become known as crickets. Uh,
1: so because <laughs> it fills the silence.
2: It tends to fill the silence. Yeah, it as, does. as, as talking, I know what you're talking not about usually a problem. So yeah, <laughs> but but they're very they're rather um, aggressive crickets. So we we've 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 managed to mitigate it by various means. Um, actually, it turns out that. Putting a bit of cloth over the microphone tends to, uh, I, I guess, my guess is that it muffles the just enough of the high frequencies to mitigate that problem. But um, but doesn't affect it, the call quality. Without right, without being noticeable. In the you,
1: you just gave wear our high tech solution. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I did. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, I was going to so, ask if you were using headsets or something, but no, speakerphones. Generally, I think most people most of the time uh, just leave their their phones on speakerphone for preparing. Hmm, um, okay you can tell when somebody picks up the handset, you know, by the, just the, the audio quality changes in a way that sounds a little, a little too intimate. I think, you know, stop whispering <laughs> in my ear. <laughs> so I, I, think I those just feel like I have to yell at the speakerphone. Yeah. You get over that actually. I think.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think the quality of the phones helps yeah. with that. You're, you're not fighting noise and, and, uh, you know, they're, they've got, they're delivering good, clear signal. Um, and I guess, Go
3: ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to add that for my part, I was a little weary uh, when I first signed on, like a month and a half ago. I joined the company, and um, you know, I was told I was going to receive a, a, a VoIP SIP phone in the mail, and I was really afraid of that because, uh, <laughs> you know, I think I, I think any geek has at some point messed around with VoIP or SIP or uh, Asterisk, and you know, either succeeded or failed. And probably right. most people failed, so I, I was sort of worried about the whole affair. Um, but with this on SIP service, they they send you a phone and a box, and you plug it in, and you have an extension. And you're on your phone, so it was in a lot of ways easier to set up than even Skype, hmm. uh, yeah, which absolutely. was which was awesome about it. And you know, um, I guess the one thing I, I'm I slightly miss, but I'm learning to live without is uh, I had in the remote stuff I'd done previously, I'd actually uh, started to really get into. Um, Video while pairing. Uh, right. I found that there's a certain, like, particularly, most of us have, you know, multiple screen setups, and I could, you know, put my pair's face on one screen, uh, mm. the screen with the camera, and uh, it sort of helped. Sometimes when you're pairing, there can be, like, awkward, who's driving moments, and uh felt video helped that to an extent, but I'm missing that less and less the more I. The more I go as I get to know. I do people, think I, guess.
2: I do think that'd be something worth pursuing, Alan. Um I've done that some uh but without having a separate screen. And that ends up just being too too awkward because I, I, I need my oh, yeah. screen real estate for the work we're working on and um so we ended up just sort of abandoning the, the video every time I've tried to do that with whoever I'm pairing with. But I think it might be worth giving that a shot with a separate screen. I think that could be really um that could that could be nice.
3: Yeah, yeah. At, uh, a colleague of mine at Relevance, uh, Craig Andera, uh, he's, he pioneered the use of a third screen, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, you know, always had the face of the person he was working with on it. And it was actually I did a lot of pairing with him and it was it was a great experience. You know, um, you notice out of your peripheral vision if the person is looking at you and you notice, right, typing, right, look at them. So, yeah, we should totally experiment. I'd be happy to drive that.
0: I'm, uh, I'm supposed to be asking about your practices, but I'll just, I'll just pipe up and say that I use a, for a while now, I've been using a tablet for my like comms device and Hmm. I haven't, I haven't mounted so that it's off to the side Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of dedicated to communications when I'm pairing. And so I'll have, whether, you know, whether we're using uh, Google Hangout or or using Skype or something, I'll usually have the video up there. and, And it is nice to be sort of, sort of be able to look over to them and then, and then back to your work.
3: That's a good idea. A tablet, probably easier to set up than a uh, you know USB video card attached
1: to a <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Right. Yeah. It. It. I think it.
0: It, it lessens the temptation to uh, to try to use it for like multiple things at once, since it's not a, right. a, a proper computer. Anyway, back to back
1: to you guys.
3: But aren't you supposed to take your tablet to the bathroom? I mean, how does that work? <laughs>
1: so so Alan in passing had had uh, sort of mentioned um, uh yours mine uh, protocol and, and uh with with heavy pairing i found that uh, we've we've developed a a sort of terse mode of of handing things back and forth that uh to some uninitiated bystander sounds rather uh i don't know grabby or something mm-hmm. um, but but it winds up being very efficient, so when we're, you know, since since we're using a shared uh, terminal session, um, either of us could type in there at once, and, you know, the typing over each other can can create a wreck. So we'll very clearly express uh, mine if we're, we're wanting to take it over, or yours if we want somebody else to take it. And at first, that felt very awkward. And uh, for me, at least, that's blended into the background so that, you know, if I'm Uh, standing next to my wife, I have to be very careful to, you know, not accidentally, you know, (laughs) initiate, there's mine protocol.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And it's interesting because it ends up, it's not, it's not technically enough. Those, those two words, saying yours and saying mine wouldn't really be enough. But when, when combined with, with context and, and the fact that they're vocalized, that's really quite sufficient. So you can, you can, you can either, you can be asking, you can say mine, you know, as right. in, you seem to be struggling. I'm not demanding control, but if you'd like, I have an idea I could take over. But you didn't have to say all that and interrupt them, you know. Right. You just say mine. And they'll say, oh, yours, you know, as in, absolutely, please. Or it could be more of a mine, you know, you're doing it wrong. Or um, <laughs> You're reminding um, me of the seagulls on in Finding Nemo. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. From Nemo, yeah. But... Um, and even and even a a voluntary yours as in i don't know what i'm doing so if anybody would like to take over now um and that one in particular has has you know started to come up in non-pairing situations we have more or less quarterly physical meetings where we all um get together some location or other and have a couple days of sort of intensive conversations and whiteboarding and presentations about what's going on and you know, several times the joke has come up where, where somebody proposes some uh complex or elaborate solution and someone else pipes up yours, <laughs> as in feel free, somebody wants to take <laughs> this. Please do investigate. Right, exactly.
0: <laughs> I'm curious, how do you split up the work? Um is that by teams or individuals? How do you decide who's working on what?
1: I, I think it varies according to situation. Um yeah. uh, I would say there's there's a wide array of skills represented across the different engineers, but, um, they're all very capable. And, and so, you know, any of us could take any of the pieces, but sometimes there's somebody who's in a o- more obvious fit. Um, or sometimes the person who's an obvious fit is in the middle of, you know, some other project and, you know, they've got a context of their own. So, um, like the rest of everything we do, it, it's pretty dynamic. Um, you know, we'll yeah. talk through and see, see what it makes, makes sense to do. And, Um, you know, some sometimes, uh, because we have a very fluid work environment, you know, the the key person who has, you know, knowledge or or skill in a particular area will will be pulled in, you know, just for a couple of help sessions, you know, just just pull them in to, uh, make sure that the, the, uh, you know, approach is is on the right path or, or, um, answer a couple of blocking questions and then they go off again. Mm
2: -hmm. I I do think that. I mean, I may be misremembering, so correct me, Aaron, if you think this is wrong, but I think that in the, you know, whatever it's been, year or so, it's really only been on like three or four occasions that um someone more senior had to say, or did say, would so-and-so please do thus and such. It's almost always yeah. sort of a obvious thing that needs to be done, and somebody steps up and says, well, the thing I was working on doesn't seem as important as that, or whatever, or I've been really looking forward to learning that area, so I'll do it. You know, does so and so want to help me, or does someone want to help me? And so a new team is there, thereby formed, and and there you go. Um, so there's been a couple times when nobody was stepping up to a particular task that had been mentioned, you know, a couple days in a row, and so finally, uh, someone said, uh, "Okay, would you know, Chowser, come on, go <laughs> <laughs> do it." You know, all right, all right.
1: Yeah, yeah I'd say that's that's a good good character characterization of of, uh, how things go.
0: Before I let you guys go, uh, where can we find out more about uh, each of you online and also about LonoCloud?
1: So lonocloud.com is the uh, company website, and uh, there's uh, some engineering bio snippets uh, on on the main site, and uh, then the rest of us can... Usually easily be found in, in the closure community, uh, or on GitHub.
2: Yeah. If you click on the four developers link on the LonoCloud.com homepage it gives, um, bio and, you know, Twitter level, <laughs> uh, contact info for, for each of us. So
0: awesome. Well, Aaron, Chris, Alan, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Abby. Thank you, Evan. Yeah.
3: Thank you. It's great.
0: And that's our show today. I do hope you've enjoyed it. To subscribe to the show, if you haven't already, or to check out more interviews and articles about remote work, go to wideteams.com. You can also find the show in the iTunes Music Store, where reviews are always very welcome. The Wide Teams podcast is distributed under the Creative Commons Attribution non-commercial share-alike 3.0 license. Our music is by Giles Boquette. Until next week, this is Avdi Grimm, signing off.
3: (laughs) wow 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 wow